This is the Scott Bradley Show podcast. It's Monday, so joining me in studio to talk a little sports coming off the weekend, Don Robertson of your Dundas Real McCoys, of ComChoice Realty, of various other things around town. Donald, thank you for dropping in again. You're welcome, Scott. Uh, who did you cast your ballot for? Uh, sorry, we're not doing elections. Sorry, I'll take that back. I will, uh, I will not put you on the spot that way. But you, you look like you might be a third or fourth candidate type of person. Let, let's go through, cast the ballot for the person Stein. who's going to get 2% of the vote and screw up the whole thing by spoiling it for someone. Anyway, They may be, uh, we might be surprised at how many they get. Could be. Could be. Suddenly Jill Stein is the new president. Of course, there, there could be some people that say they're all wasted ballots. Anyway, this sports. This is true. Let's start with, uh, I said, your Dundas Real McCoys. Let's start with your Hamilton Tiger Cats, who wrapped their regular season on the weekend. They finished 7-11. and 11. Seven wins, 11 losses. This was a team, I'm going to be very honest, coming into this year, and I was on this show, I'm on the record, I think we could probably find the tape, I thought this team was going to have a record that was at least the reverse of that. If not more, I really thought they were going to be at a 12 and 6 team. I thought with the personnel, even with Zach Caleros hurt to start the year, with the personnel, with the East the way it looked, I thought there was just endless chances for this team to put together a really strong season, and they didn't. And now I got to tell you, Don, and I don't know how close of a CFL aficionado you are on this, but a 7 and 11 team is going to have a home game in the playoffs. To me, that looks horrible for the CFL. I like the CFL. I like the CFL's brand of football. But a 7-11 and 11 team hosting a home game in the playoffs, to me, looks like a joke. Great assessment. There's no other way to put it. I mean, you to be, sub, to be able to play in a league where a sub-500 record, and not by one game and get to host the playoff games either tells you that the crossover system is less than perfect, they should maybe abolish it and take the best teams, but it a lot of it, as you know, is driven by television. you got to have so many playoff games, and you can't say, you know, if they, if they don't hit this threshold, we won't let them in the playoffs, but it is disappointing, and I think it really compromises the credibility of the league itself when it continuously happens. There are there were only four teams this year in the CFL that actually that actually hit the five hundred mark, which is remarkable. And they were all in the West. Ottawa finished first in the East and they're eight, nine, and one. Hamilton seven eleven, Montreal seven eleven, Toronto five and thirteen. In the West, Calgary fifteen and two, BC twelve and six. Uh, Calgary is fifteen two and one, BC twelve and six, Winnipeg eleven and seven, Edmonton ten and eight, Saskatchewan five and thirteen. You have five teams in this league that could not reach the five hundred mark. And honestly, I come back to this. I, I you're right. You have to have a certain number of teams. TV demands a certain number of teams. But I've said this before, there's a part of me that says, and I know it won't work, but there's a part of me that says, surely you could put a rule in or you could find a way to do it to say, if you don't finish at least 500, you don't qualify. You don't, you're not allowed to qualify for the playoffs. We are going to demand a level of excellence in the playoffs. Now, people who are Ticat fans are going to be screaming at me. People who are Ottawa fans are going to be screaming at me. But I look at this and I think this looks silly 
for a league that I think should have a lot more credibility. It looks silly. I don't have, as which will not surprise you, the entire CFL schedule and results committed to memory. But it appears as if the West, on a regular basis, kicked the butt of the East yes. on a very regular basis. As they have for years. And yes, that's not new. One of the things that, that may help it, and I don't know if it works or not, is split the divisions up. Well, you got the divisions already set. Have them play more games amongst themselves. That will fix your inequity, at least somebody in the East. So you may not play home and away or just cut out playing the West as often as they do. The West will like it because the football clearly should be better because the better teams are out there. And the East will at least should at least have two five hundred teams. See, I, I, I'm the other way. I think you should you should have one division, and the top six teams get in. And who cares if they're from the East or for the West? We don't live in the in the old days now. Where well, that's probably that, that that might be counterproductive. That that you're going to have to be a five hundred team to get in. No, you're going to let six in. I, I agree. Many years you that wouldn't have been the issue. I mean, it, but even so, even if. They're never going to come to the point where they say, if you don't reach 500, you're not getting it. They're never going to say that. So the next best option is, all right, let's have our six best teams at least get into this thing. Because right now they don't. Right now they don't. You see, I don't see that as as big a burden in the CFL as you could see it in a lot of leagues. And the reason is they're one-game knockouts. You know, it's not like uh, Montreal or Toronto have to play a best of seven against BC. They're one game knockouts. Most of the leagues, NHL, baseball, they don't they don't start with four to sevens. You know, um, basketball, they're all series. These are one game knockouts. So the, the the burden of getting on an airplane and flying to Ottawa or flying to Vancouver. I mean, what's the difference? Three hours in the air. I, what I don't understand is if you're Edmonton, are you not a little bit miffed that you finished ten and eight, Hamilton finished seven and eleven, and not only do you not get a home game, but you, but Hamilton does get the home game. Why is Edmonton not playing a home game this week? I don't understand that, and I don't think the league could explain that except that well we've got this crossover and this is the way it happens. The best teams should have... What are you playing for? Now, the, the truth is, Edmonton, by getting the crossover, probably, other than Calgary, is the happiest team in the CFL. Calgary loves it because they're the best team and they're you know probably going to roll through. But if I'm Edmonton and I can now avoid BC and I can avoid Winnipeg and I can avoid Calgary and I can still potentially make it to the Grey Cup, if I'm Edmonton, I'm loving this. I was going to say, why is Edmonton mad? I mean, they have to play no, a playoff game. They I mean, love they're but not they playing should, at home, and you're right. They, they should have the home game. They're playing a team that has a, a far weaker record, but they're playing a team that has a far weaker record. So when you go into the playoffs, do you want to play somebody with 15 and 2 or 7 and 11? you got to beat somebody, so... And here's my point. Statistically I, speaking, Hamilton should be there for the taking. Let me let me just clarify something, because I did misspeak a moment ago when I said it should be the top six teams. It is the top six teams this year, as it turns out, but not in the order that it doesn't work to the benefit of the teams in the West. It doesn't work. Right now, BC has to play a game against Winnipeg this week. Well, the East would get no home games That's based right. on your scenario. So it would be Calgary and BC who would both have a bye this week, and it would be... Winnipeg playing against Hamilton, 
in Winnipeg. Is that right? Winnipeg versus... No, Winnipeg would be playing Ottawa in Winnipeg, and Edmonton would be playing Hamilton in Edmonton. I said Edmonton versus Hamilton, right? Edmonton yeah. versus Hamilton, Edmonton. The point is, there are two teams at least in this that should be having home games that don't, and one team that should be having a bye that doesn't. And there's no... To me, there's no logical or well-constructed reason why that's the case, other than to say, well, that's the way we do it. Well, that's stupid. Well, you'd have to be at the governor's meetings to understand the rationale behind it. And, and oddly enough, sometimes when they sit down and explain it all to you, you go, well, that's weak, but at least I understand how you're thinking. The governor's meeting, they would never change this because I've got to believe that there's a number of governors that would fight against this, and most of them would be in the East because they don't want to lose this because they know darn well that the day has never been that the East has been dominant over the West at the end. Maybe there's been a year or two where there's been a few Eastern teams when Montreal was at its apex and stuff that were better. But by and large, if there's been a year when the East has been the dominant division like it is this year for the West, I don't remember it. So the Eastern, the Eastern owners don't ever want to change it because they know darn well that a lot of times their home game playoff opportunity is only because of the crossover and because of the way it's set up here. But again, we've got to go to break. To me, if I'm Edmonton's ownership and home playoff games are, are good money in a league that doesn't produce a ton, a ton of money, they make okay. But if I'm Edmonton, I'm looking going, why am I not getting the benefit of a home game when I'm three wins better than the team that does have the home game? Why do I have to go play there? I'll tell you who you might not want to be. is the Toronto Argonauts hosting Well, BC and uh, Vancouver. Not a lot of walk up there, I'm thinking. Well, Toronto. I mean, Toronto's not hosting anyone right now. They've got the Grey Cup coming up. But I that's mean, what I meant. The Grey yeah, Cup. Yeah, that's no. what I was talking about. They're hosting yeah. the Grey Cup. Yeah, no. and they could have Calgary and Vancouver in the Grey Cup. There's no walk up there. Long walk. Yeah, you, you could be facing. Well, you couldn't face Vancouver. You could be facing an Edmonton Calgary Grey Cup because Edmonton will be coming out of the East Side possibly. And again, you're right. That's that's. Uh, they'll. I mean, they'll. They will ultimately sell that place out. They will. They'll fill the place. They'll find a way to fill the place. But, listen, I was at the last Grey Cup in Toronto in, what year was that? Four years ago? And if you were on Front Street or in the Rogers Centre, you were very aware that the Grey Cup was going on in Toronto. They had the big festival going on and everything. If you went up as far north as Dundas, you would you would have known less about the Grey Cup going on in the city than you would have about, known about an alien landing. There was no... Grey Cup, anything, two streets north of front. It was just, it was, there is, and if you, this doesn't really, I mean, this isn't going to help if you have two Western teams, but it's not really the point. Edmonton should be hosting this week, and it's not a slam against Ticat fans. It's not about the Ticat fans. It's about the league and its setup. You've got a much better team playing a much worse team, and the much worse team gets the advantage. That is a situation that doesn't make sense in this league. You're listening to The Scott Radley Show, weeknights from 7 to 9 on AM 900 CHML. In studio with Don Robertson, talking a little bit of sports. Don, um, I thought it was a very disappointing story that broke last Friday, I believe it was, that the plans that had been in place for something like 18 months that the, now, I mean, whether you're an Ottawa Senators fan or not, the Ottawa Senators were working on this plan to hold an outdoor hockey game 
on Parliament Hill in front of the Peace Tower. Canada's birthday, all this stuff, and the government nixed it. And uh, listen, I I think that the outdoor games thing have been done to death, have been squashed, have been milked till the goat is dry. But this one was the one outdoor game that you could have done and said, that would be really cool. And to me, it's just a massive disappointment. It's the one game, the one outdoor game now that I would have tuned in, I would have made a point of tuning in to watch. And it's so, to me, it's very disappointing that this thing got nixed. It would have ruined the front of the Parliament buildings for over half a year. Uh, you mean the grass? The grass, yeah. I oh, see. I thought you meant like a wayward slap shot would take out one of the windows. That in the, may happen in the too. Legislative library or something. That may happen too. <laughs> I mean, so a lot of festivities would wouldn't be able to take place there except a made for TV. Granted, it's our game, and there are people that that aren't all that enamored with Justin Trudeau. And the number of people that would have been all over the government for saying, and the protesters for saying, how can you blow this amount of money on an outdoor hockey game to celebrate our 150th anniversary? I'm not, you know, we're not on the same page here. I'm not sure that's the most clever thing that they ever would have come up with. Uh, when things are, you know, they're not, they're not awful in the country, but to to uh to uh waste or or squander the millions of dollars it would have taken would that not have been the senators it? though the senators would have been the ones paying for it i would assume i think you're assuming wrong i mean I, if, even if they even if it was some money have you, have you seen how the national hockey league run well they try to squeeze the public for all the outdoor they games they get their revenue from and they compensate the home team for what their revenues would be what they would lose Unless they've changed it, that's my understanding. So if the thing grosses six million dollars and you're going to make a million two for having a home game, guess what? It's a million two. Um, so I don't think the NHL would be putting fifteen cents into this thing. But is if is they were, I'm all for it. Uh, I'm not sure I want it right on the front lawn because the fest- festivities that would be affected otherwise. But I guess they could clean it up in a hurry. But boy, it's a lot of money. It's n- it's really never been done before. Never in a, that's in the a cool portable part. stadium. That's the cool part about it to me. That's the cool part about it. And well, and and here's the best part: if I'm the Senators or if I'm the NHL, if I'm whoever. I don't know, it was unclear still what the exact plans were for whether it was going to mean putting up a million stands or whatever else. I would have loved to have just seen, put some risers up and have people stand. Make it really simple. Make it a truly outdoor Canadian game. You know what, on the front, on the front we have hockey on our money. I'd, I have a better idea. I'd put it in the backyard. Right on the river? Sure. Right on the Rideau? Or is that the Ottawa River? That's the Ottawa River back there. The Ottawa River is behind, but I'd put it on between Gatineau and I'd put it on the canal, on the Rideau. And canal. I think I'd take my chances on the weather. And if it didn't work, then you hold it inside. See, that would that would be very cool too. That's then then you can have the referees wearing the old coats and the fedoras. Serve some Killaloo beaver tails from the huts with some hot chocolate. Don't use a puck. Use a uh, horse ball. <laughs> I just look at this and I think, what an opportunity. You know, uh, when we go back and we look at the original outdoor games, and you've talked about it on here, the very first one, the Heritage Classic in Edmonton, was one that 
remembered mainly for just being so darn cold. I was there. So cold. They were worried the glass was going to crack if a puck hit it. But the one that most people, I think, truly remember of the outdoor games was the one in Buffalo. With the first game between Buffalo and Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh brought back the powder blue unis that looked really cool, and there was the big, fat snowflakes falling down, and it looked perfect. It looked perfect. It was... When they have the pictures of it, it looked exactly like hockey. Looked like a Danby painting. Exactly. That's exactly what it looked like. And you look and you think, this would have been better. This would have been better. Or at least every bit is good with the symbol of Canada, with the peace tower in the background, the Canadian flag flying over it. This would have been another Ken Danby painting. This this would have been perfect, and I just can't believe that we, as a government, that the Canadian government couldn't figure out how to do this. And one of the issues they say is, well, security issues. And, you know, we, we know that they had a shooter at Parliament Hill. Nobody's going to shoot the hockey players. We, no, but we know Nathan Cirillo, all that story, all tragic. I, I, I'm not ignoring that part of it. But, you know, you have the capacity to set up blockades or, or entry points at different spots. There are ways to control this. I would just license the whole downtown. I wouldn't. There are ways to do that. I, I, I look at this as the, the biggest opportunity for a truly perfect Canadian moment. Not sure you're going to stay that convinced when you find out who had to pay for it. Maybe, maybe not. But, but again, even so consider, all right, here, here's where I go. I, I am not a, uh, I am not a supporter of government waste. I hate the fact that we spend so much money on so much crap. I really do. I mean, it just is, it drives me nuts when you see what the budgets are for some things and how much is thrown away. But if, and this, 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 I'm probably going to regret even saying this because I just, I hate government waste, but if you're going to waste money anyway, at least waste it on something good. (laughs) You see, you're so typical. You, you define wasted money on things you like or don't like. No, I think there's a lot of things that we wasted on that we can probably all agree are just money being flushed down the toilet. Again, I don't know that this was a financial decision. I don't know who would have had to have paid all this. I mean, you've explained uh, how you believe it would have been run, and you very well could be right. I, I, I'm not going to dispute the case that it would be. We'll know people. after the next break. It is. It just, to me, is one of those things that on our country's significant So we're going to blow a wad of dough we're gonna on ha- something silly, and you know that budget for the 150th anniversary is in the millions. Why there will be more small Canadian flags on little wooden sticks than there are deer in Algonquin Park. We're going to have more never heard of before Canadian folk singers performing on Parliament Hill all summer and at little rest stops along the way. We're going to have more Canadian, uh, uh, what do you call a movie, the, the uh, film board, National Film Board of Canada putting out stupid movies that no one is ever going to see again. We're going to be throwing money at this Canadian 150th birthday, some of which you're going to say is great, and some of it is going to say, you're going to say, come on, really? And here you have the picture of Canada. Hockey in front of the Peace Tower with the Canadian flag in winter, and we say, mm, no, that that one we're not interested in. 
th- that's the point to me is we're don't tell me for a second, Don, that we're not going to, as you just said, spend millions on things, celebrations over the course of the year. And don't tell me, frankly, that if you were to go and pitch, you know what, I'm going to bring Don Robertson and the Robertsonettes to come and sing Canadian folk songs in 12 different languages, that you wouldn't find some kind, somebody in government would say, that sounds great. Yeah, let me give you some money for that. How much do you need? And here's well, we need a lot. We've never done this before before we started. You know, I, it would be interesting to have the Ottawa Senators play the Vancouver Millionaires. There you go. And have them come by train starting in July. <laughs> and, Versus and then, the dog sled. And then have to cancel it because they all got the flu. <laughs> I think there's a historical precedent for that. But You're listening to The Scott Radley Show, weeknights from 7 to 9 on AM 900 CHML. Did you ever watch Robin Leach, Don Robertson? Yeah, I did. He was... Uh, Lifestyles of the rich and famous. It was pretty corny, but it was interesting because you got to see how the other half lived. It was... Uh, the other half, yeah. Well, I wasn't other, in that other half. The other 2%. <laughs> the dynasty folks. The dynasty folks. The and dynasty all the, folks. The where, rich and famous. Where Joan Collins would live, yes. It was... Uh, I, you know what? It was funny. We were chatting the other day about the 1980s, and I'll tell you what I remember about the 1980s. I think it was Saturday night. I can't remember if it was Saturday night now. Was Solid Gold. Remember the uh, the commercial with the Solid <laughs> Gold dancers? Remember that one? And then it was Love Boat. And then it was Fantasy Island. And somewhere in there was a show called BJ and the Bear. <laughs> with Greg Evian and his uh, and the chimpanzee. And and um, uh, now I can't remember her name. I just remember her name on the show. A name that you would never get away with in a million years now for a character on a TV show. June Landers or Judy Landers, her name on the show was Stax. <laughs> there is no chance in 2016 For good reason. that you are going to have a TV show with a female character named that. For, Never. For good reason? For good reason, yes. But it was, but no, no chance that name is coming up in a TV. Can you imagine making a pitch for a TV show now and your main female character is called that? Uh, I'm thinking you're not lasting in that pitch room for very, very long. Uh, certainly not... Um, yeah. I'm still trying to piece the late 70s and mid 80s <laughs> together. I don't You know, I don't know what was on TV in the in the late 70s, the last half of the 70s because I was refereeing. You know, you're out five or six nights a week and they didn't have PVR and they didn't have VCR. We only got six channels. I mean, yeah. I lived in London. And, no, but if and if you weren't there, you didn't see them. Because there was no way to record no, them or something, you that you had to be there to You watch. couldn't even tape them, I don't no, think. No, you then. couldn't. No, you you had to be there to watch them. And so you would have had I mean, again, I I didn't I'm trying to think of what shows would have been into the late. I mean, you still would have had All in the Family, and you would have had all those kind of things. That talking about shows you couldn't put on today. Well, (laughs) (laughs) I I would agree with that. Um, You know, a terrific, amazing show that changed culture. But we aren't as seemingly adept at irony and sarcasm and those very and political incorrectness that to teach a lesson as they were then. Clear, somehow the folks in the 60s and 70s who were supposed to be way dumber than us, right? Because intellect has advanced. People have learned more. We know lots more. We have we have cell phones now that have the equivalent of one of their supercomputers in our hand. And those people were able to understand when Norman Lear was doing a TV show that it was ironic. He's teaching you about your racism by showing you racism. And you watch and you say, oh, that's stupid. Oh wait, I do that. You you saw you learned from those 
shows. Now you would put that on the air and you would make the same explanation. People say, no, 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 no. No, no, no. We're not putting that on the air. So is what it is. 70s and 80s were better television. I, uh, again, I don't dispute it. By the way, if you like 70s and 80s television, along with 50s televisions, 90s, 2000s, Thursday nights, 8.30, right here on the Scott Radley Show, we have TV theme song, Name That Tune. You can win some free food from Hutch's on the Beach. If you are one of those people, like, well, not so much like Dawn, but like some people who spent hours in front of the TV set, it's perfect for you. I'm telling you. We've had some people come in here, and they are television theme song savants. They just, they have a special corner of their brain that is reserved for old TV theme songs. It's amazing. It's amazing to, to challenge them and this year they're just boom, 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 pull it out. See, I, uh, I recycle my brain. <laughs> yeah, there's not, there's not space now. I'm having to dump files in order to make new space. Uh, guy in the, um, now we're not going to talk about the UFC, but it's just a launching point. UFC fighter named John Jones, who's one of the best fighters in mixed martial arts. It was announced today, has now been suspended a year for another positive drug test. Guys had some problems. As other athletes do, we're just, um, Brendan Banks of the Ticats has just come back after a a positive test. We have guys who get caught and we seem more often than not to slap them on the wrist and some of them straighten out and some of them never do. But here's my question, Don. Tell me why it wouldn't make sense in the modern world where we now know there is not an athlete alive who doesn't know they're being tested A and B, they're going to be caught if they take something. Tell me why it doesn't make sense now to say one positive test, your first positive test, and it's a two-year ban. We're not fiddling around anymore. We're not fooling around. First positive test, you're out for two years, and after that, you're gone for life. No more one month or 90 days or one, why if, is it not time to actually just drop the hammer and say enough? Owners. The owners don't want that because if it happens to be one of your superstars and they're in the business of trying to make money, there's no way they want to take the risk that one of their star pupils is going to get something slipped into a drink we used to refer to it as a Mickey in a drink, but you know, it, it, somebody's going to slip something in the guy's drink, and there would be an entire conspiracy theory for the uh, star quarterback to be saying, "I've never done anything in my entire life. Somebody put something into my drink," and being able to build a case for the fact that a Toronto, if you use a Ticats as an example, a Toronto Argonaut fan slipped in and slip something into one of the Ticat drinks, and he's now gone for two years. But I'm telling you, it goes back to the ownership. They can't afford to lose players, and they're okay if it's somebody on a taxi squad. They're not okay if it's one of their superstars. The idea and, of the, And by the way, we're way too left-wing to do that. Well, we, we don't want to... That's a reality. No, we don't want to punish people, but I mean, the, the idea of slipping the Mickey, that's, that's a commonly held view that says, you know, we can't, what if someone were to do that? And I agree with you that that's said all the time. Where's the example that that's happened? I don't remember a single Every time. Well, that's what they would, that's what they would <laughs> Every argue. Time. Yeah. But they've, it's never been, there's never been a, a case where it's been established that that's even been remotely the situation. I, I think there's a difference between recreational drugs and performance enhancing drugs. 
and, and are you going to slip a neither which, of, are you going to slip some stalazolol or well that's what I mean I, I I think the performance enhancing the guy that's working out in the gym that sees himself turn into uh, Hulk Hogan over the summer has got a pretty good idea what's going on somebody gets picked off for um, some kind of recreational drug I mean you could make an argument he didn't know uh, Ross Rubliati got off the hook because he was le- allegedly at a party where somebody was smoking marijuana and happened to inhale it. <laughs> now, that's not one of the all-time no-stretchers of life, but he pulled it off and got off while I was hanging around the wrong people. Yeah, well, I believe that. Yeah, well, I was just at the party, and well, apparently Canadian- what they were doing was I d- didn't know what the smell was. A Canadian pole vaulter just came up with the explanation that he kissed a woman who had sniffed cocaine and had some still on her lips. And that's why it got into his system. I mean, we, we there's been some some clever, creative <laughs> explanations for how things have happened. But I think, I, but I, I think performance enhancing is one thing. I think recreational is something else. And the recreational guys end up shooting themselves in the foot over the long run anyway because they have tightened it up immensely. But to your point that if you know that assuredly you're going to get tested and you're going to get caught, then that goes back to the you can't fix stupid comments. Yeah. No, I, I don't go out then. I, and, you know, that's easy to say. I understand. But if you are... Well, they're young guys. They're full of piss and vinegar. And, you know, they want to go out and have a good time after a game. I remember the stories from back in the 80s. Back to the 80s again, where we started this conversation. And I, I should go and look this up again. But I, I, I specifically remember listening one time to Wayne Gretzky either reading or hearing him describe how he never went out alone in Edmonton. He only ever went out with another guy, with a teammate, because if you're with someone, you always have a witness. You all, Someone's less likely to do something, and you're not going to get yourself in trouble. And if you're going to have a witness, it's always better if he's a friend. Well, no, I mean, listen, <laughs> it, it's, it's not the perfect system, but he. It, the point was, I'm not going out where I can be accused of something and there's no one else who will have seen that. It's far less likely, Don, yeah. if you're out with a buddy, that someone's going to accuse you of something if they know there's a witness there who's going to be able to say, no, he was with me all the time. Again, not the perfect system, but it was bright by Wayne Gretzky to say, I'm not going to put myself in a position where I can be have something said about me that isn't true. And... So, you know what, if you're going to go out, if you're going to go to a bar, if you're going to do whatever, have someone there with you. The uh, the part about this is these guys have many benefits in their lives from being professional athletes. Many benefits, whether it's in the CFL where you don't make as much money for sure, but you have a measure of fame within a city or in other leagues where you are wealthy beyond your wildest imagination and there maybe is a trade-off. If I'm going to experience that kind of fame, if I'm going to be paid in the millions of dollars a year, maybe I have to go out with someone else. Maybe I can't go to the bar by myself. Maybe I have to some days not go to the bar at all or not go to a bar that I'm worried about. Sometimes you have to make decisions. And it just seems to me that you know once we see too often, still positive drug tests get dealt with very lightly. We really do. It's. I think we we all know now how it works, and you should know, and you should be dealt with much more severely if it comes down as a positive test. See, at my age, it's easy to sit back and say, you know, all these guys have to do is toe the line for the five or six years, 
and then you can go out and enjoy yourself, whatever your whatever your choices in life are, because you should be financially set. Should be. So why take the risk for your income, for your family, your credibility, and a litany of other things during that period of time? And there's, I mean, the way athletes treat themselves nowadays, I mean, their bodies truly are temples. I mean, they eat salad, carrot sticks. I mean, they know how to eat. They work out all summer. I mean, they look like Adonis's. And if they have that kind of discipline, the other kind of discipline you would think would be far easier to just keep an eye on for the short period of time your professional career is going to be in place because you're not likely going to do anything else in your life that will make you that kind of dough. I guarantee that. Guarantee that. The Scott Radley Show, weeknights from 7 to 9 on AM 900. AM 900 CHML.